Greetings, another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast coming your way right now on this Saturday evening uh, after Purdue uh, loses at Penn State 35-7. to uh, We'll recap the game uh, and uh, my thoughts. Uh, it's just me today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, going solo on this trip to, uh, to State College. I uh, hope to, to get back in Lafayette in time uh, sometime Sunday morning. But uh, taking a break from listening to the Michigan State-Ohio State game. They're, th- they're at the end of the first quarter in that game. And I'm sure by the time uh, that you hear this, there'll be a resolution uh, in that game. I hope so, at least. Uh, so uh, right now in the car, driving, to, uh, driving from State College, uh, to my next destination and uh, take care from there being safe uh, I know that's a that's a big deal especially being on the roads but also obviously with the injuries that are happening to the Purdue football team about every day uh, it just it, it, that, that part of it is a bit mind-boggling and uh, we've we, you know we've talked about that the last few weeks that things just keep happening for whatever reason and uh, if you missed it uh, in our coverage uh, today, you know, Milton Wright and T.J. Sheffield didn't make the trip uh, to Penn State because they were injured during the week. Uh, Jeff Brom said afterwards, Milton Wright's about 50-50 to play next week. Uh, he said T.J. Sheffield will be out uh, for a while. Uh, freshman receiver Marshawn Rice was making progress, uh, and uh, it, it sounded like he would get he would have uh, he would have played uh, some uh, today. But uh, he had a hamstring injury on Thursday, uh, so that ruled him out. Purdue only had uh, seven wide receivers today available. The main three were David Bell, Jackson Anthrop, and Ahmad Anderson. Uh, Corey Taylor got some snaps, but that, that, that just shows you how depleted that Purdue is right now. That the, uh, the deepest position on the team, I felt, coming into the year was receiver now basically seven bodies three guys that have any experience uh and and that's just kind of you know where it's at uh staying with the injury theme and again it's it's happening and it happens to all programs it's probably happening at a different level uh for purdue right now than other programs uh but jordan rucker who was scheduled to start at cornerback was injured on the uh, kickoff uh, Purdue won the toss and received, and Rucker was injured on the kickoff return, so he did not even he played the one play, and, and that was it. Uh, Cornell Jones went out uh, with an injury in the first quarter, but did come back, so that that was good news. Uh, Anthony Watts left the game, uh, did not return in the second half, uh, and, and Purdue played without Cam Allen as well. Now that wasn't an injury situation; that was a targeting uh, penalty that uh, disqualified him. Uh, it, early in the game, and, and that just took another body out of uh, uh, off the roster for Purdue to use in this game. Now, with the game, um, the, the the big issue, and my my column at jconline.com deals with this. Just you know, bottom line is that Purdue has to find answers on the offensive line, and I I'm not necessarily necessarily saying they got to find answers for this year, but they have to find answers. Uh, as they as they get deeper into this thing uh, with Jeff Brom, and you know, and he's the guy that has to find answers uh, to this. Uh, the offensive line the first two years held up well. Uh, it allowed Purdue to run its offense, 
you know, probably a combination of things uh, helped. Uh, you know, who, David Bow playing quarterback probably helped a little bit. Purdue did have a running game, which helped. But uh, today, you know, they uh, Penn State had 10 sacks, and that's that's just a large number that um, it really speaks of where uh, Purdue's offensive line is at right now. Now, Penn State has one of the better defensive lines in the, in the Big Ten and probably the country. They're one of the quickest. Uh, from a talent standpoint, it's not that surprising. But it just shows uh, the glaring weakness, or the glaring weakness got exposed once again by Purdue. And you can go back to the Nevada game. You can go back to spring ball. Because this started, it started at the end of last year knowing who Purdue had lost on the offensive line, knowing who they had coming back. And as you got into spring ball, it was an issue. But, you know, most of us felt, and I know Jeff Braun felt this way, that they would be able to add, you know, maybe a graduate transfer uh, to the mix, which they'd done in the first two years. But that never happened. And Purdue was left with... Uh, the, the players at the position that they have and it, right now they're just it, it's it, it is a work in progress there's not a lot of experience there when you get past Matt McCann and Grant Hermans but it, it it was an eyesore today it's been a problem all year it was a problem in spring ball it was a problem in the off season it was a problem in training camp so what, what does Purdue do about it? There's, there's really nothing they can do about it this year other than just try to find the right mix on the right day that, that helps you. Now, Minnesota, uh, Purdue was able to run the ball a little bit more effectively, uh, and they and they did pass protect okay. But a team like Penn State, you're just they're gonna they're gonna go after your your weakness and keep pounding on it until you stop it and Purdue could not stop it today but 10 sacks is a whole lot I think Purdue lost 86 yards on 10 sacks and Purdue only had 104 yards to begin with so uh, it was just you know it, it, that area just got magnified today as, as Jeff Brom said quote we got exposed and, and he's right and it's not a surprise but that, that's been an issue uh, all spring, or you know, started in the spring and went went through the the off season, and then and 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 here we are in game five, where it really got exposed. But back to the Nevada game in the second half, when Purdue tried to run the ball to eat some eat some clock and protect that 17 point lead, you know they couldn't do it, and I think that's when you really started to to think that this is going to be a problem once they get into better competition. But, you know, they held up against Vanderbilt. TCU was a different story. TCU had its way with them. And there were other factors in that TCU game. Uh, and then, as we talked about the Minnesota game, Purdue did run the ball better than it had all year. Uh, Jack Plummer had probably a little bit more time than he had against TCU. Uh, but today, he had no time. And once it, once it became evident it was a passing situation, which... When you're down 21, 28, nothing, it becomes a passing situation all the time. I mean, they just they just teed off and went after him. And Jack Plummer was in the post-game press conference. 
surprised he wasn't uh, limping or something because he got he got hit pretty hard today. He got taken down uh, a lot. Uh, it, it's more than one man should be able should have to uh, endure. Now some of the sacks are on Jack. Uh, I don't think anybody will deny that. Jack won't deny that uh, because. You know, he. There were times he held on the ball too long, but there were other times where he just he didn't have to, he didn't have time to throw it. He just not have time to throw it, and the receivers uh, couldn't get open. And that's a, that's a bad combination. Uh, you know, against a, a defensive line that is quick and fast, and they twist and they stunt and they do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you have receivers that that they can't get open quick enough, and you're sitting there holding the ball and you're. You know, one, two, three happens really fast, and you've got to make a decision to throw the ball. And Purdue's offensive line today affected everything that they were doing. Uh, it led to, uh, as as I mentioned, 104 yards of total offense, and they barely got that uh, at the end. Uh, and it just, you know, that's just that, that's where they're at right now. Now they they will not face probably a better defensive front than what they faced uh, the rest of the year, but it doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. You'll probably see more games like Minnesota as compared to more games like the Penn State game. You know, I, the Penn State and TCU games are a bit of a outliners because uh, they're outliers because of the talent that's on those teams where. You know, I, I don't think Maryland's going to be able to do what Penn State did against Purdue. Doesn't mean they can't limit what they do offensively. I, I just don't think that they're they're going to be able to to generate the pressure and the amount of negative yardage that Penn State did. But I was more than capable of doing doing similar stuff. Um, Nebraska probably not at that level, but can be disruptive. You know, Northwestern has always had. Uh, good defensive linemen and linebackers and they've had Purdue's number here recently and that's a team that can cause you a lot of problems at the line of scrimmage and then Wisconsin's probably going to be a very difficult uh, opponent for Purdue from that standpoint where they're going to have to to win some line of scrimmage battles and that's and we're not just talking about this year this is this is going to be the issue whether Purdue and this program can compete consistently for a Big Ten title or a Big Ten West title is what happens up front. And really, I mean, it has it has a little bit to do with what with what's on this year's roster, but it has more to do with what's coming uh, in the next recruiting classes and how many holes can Purdue fill with graduate transfers. Ideally. This offseason is dedicated to finding at least two offensive linemen that are graduate transfers that can come in and help immediately. Now, how does that work with the, the 2020 scholarship numbers and all that math? That That's up to the coaches to figure out. But based on what we've seen the first five games, you know, Purdue needs help. I mean, the help wanted sign is out for Purdue when it comes to offensive linemen. Jeff Brom has proven he can go get receivers, quarterbacks, defensive backs, uh, and running backs. I, you know, he's 
his recruiting is 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 doing very well. Uh, is going very well in that area. And you know, you picked up a George Karloftis, you know, last year, you know, as a defensive end. But ultimately, he's going to be measured by his recruiting, and then it's a two-part thing: his recruiting and then development of offensive linemen. Uh, this is a subject that I've written about a lot. This is a subject I've talked about a lot. It's not going away. You can't, I mean, I, I think the first two years, in some ways, smoke and mirrors have covered up some of the deficiencies on the offensive line. But, you know, you had you had, you had a couple grad transfers those first two years with David Steinmetz and, and Dennis Edwards. Not that they were the reason, the sole reason why Purdue's offensive line, you know, held up. But you added some experience there. And you didn't get any this. You didn't get any of that of that experience this year. So, do that. Are they related? Yes, I think they are. If you had, had if you had added an offensive lineman, a graduate transfer offensive lineman this year to this group, you know, I'm not sure Purdue would be in the same situation it is in right now from a win loss record standpoint. They would have given up sacks today. There's no question about that. But uh, I don't think they would have given up 10. And, and there's a lot of, you know, who, who's the who's the graduate transfer offensive lineman and what position do they play and all that kind of stuff. So that would have obviously played a factor into, into all that. But uh, this program, you know, going, you know, going to bowl games the first two years were fine and getting six wins. And, you know, and I wrote at the beginning of the year that, you know, this is a year where you push it forward just a little bit. You know, I, I never thought that this team would be a Big Ten West contender uh, this year, and they're not going to be. But you just push it forward. Maybe you get that that, that sixth win before you play Indiana, as opposed to the last two years where uh, that that's been the game where you've got your sixth win. But that that's not going to happen now. And and to be honest, it's not going to happen until Purdue figures out. It's offensive line. There's no waiver wire right now, so you have who you have, and Purdue's coaching staff, Jeff Brom and Dale Williams, have to figure it out. What can they do to help uh, this offense not be in a position it was today, where it's just it is bogged down and can't do anything because it's got it's facing too many third and long situations. There there there's just too many negative negative plays going on where you're not keeping the ball and you're putting your defense out there for for way too, for way too long and you know and that that's going to be the mission moving forward can can they get a group of offensive linemen that can be consistent enough to keep your offense on the field to get some points on the board get some yards and ultimately win some games uh, so, from an offensive standpoint, it was not a good day. Uh, you know, you do give credit to Penn State and uh, and what they have on the defensive side. Uh, you know, I think it's no secret they were they were extremely talented coming in, and they proved it. Uh, but it, it made it made life a living hell for the offense today. I don't think there's any other way uh, to say it. I mean, the offense had one good drive. And if you want to call the touchdown drive a good drive, it, it was a good drive. You got a nice, 
nice long pass to David Bell down the middle and then a uh, nice uh, what I thought was a back shoulder uh, throw to Ahmad Anderson who tippy-toed uh, in, into the end zone right inside the pylon uh, and was able to get Purdue on the board and, and cut it to 28-7 but you know the, the the other part of this game was too was that the Penn State came out fast up 21 to nothing the first quarter 28 to nothing in the first 16 minutes looked like it would be 59 to nothing like what they what they what it did to Maryland uh, a week ago but you know I think you give some you give credit to Purdue's defense for settling in making some plays uh, getting off the field forcing some punts uh, getting some turnovers and you know and playing the brand of ball that You'd hope they, you know, that Purdue, that the coaching staff wanted them to play from the very beginning. But at the end, it ended up 35-7. I just think the defense was on the field too long, and Penn State was able to wear, wear Purdue down. But, you know, one thing that struck me in the in the post game uh, press conference was that Jeff Brom said, you know, they start giving some all blitz looks and you know some different calls that were coming in. Uh, you know, maybe to uh, you know to keep Penn State off balance a little bit. Well, by that time it was too late, and you know maybe they're doing that at the beginning, and it's just not coming across right. But you know, one thing I'd like to see uh, coming up against Maryland is maybe Purdue starts aggressive instead of waiting to to see how the game uh, plays out. Uh, or ease yourself into the game. Maybe Purdue should come come with everything early and try to be a disruptive force that way, uh, as opposed to waiting. Now, you know, maybe they're not waiting. Maybe it's mass so much that you know everybody brings pressure on third down. I I, I get that, but maybe some first down, some second down stuff. Um, you know, catching them in a in a wrong formation when you when you've got the numbers and and stuff like that. But uh, the defense did settle down. Uh, thought they played they played well enough to get to let the offense get back into the game. And Purdue's offense just could not do it. Uh, you know, I think to start the second half, there were a combined 10 punts uh, between the teams. Uh, you know, Purdue could could have taken one of those drives, turned it into a touchdown. You know, then then you're 28-14 and. Uh, the crowd grows rest, restless. Penn State starts to tighten up a little bit. Purdue gets some confidence, but they just could not move the ball. They had one first down in the second half. I mean, just one first down. Yeah, it's just that doesn't cut it at this level. It doesn't cut it at any level. And yeah, and Purdue's had injuries. You can go across the board. No Rondell Moore today. No Milton Wright. No T.J. Sheffield. Even though you know those two guys haven't played a whole lot. Uh, but you know, they had trouble getting the ball to Bryson Hopkins, and I think he's a he's a he's a guy that you know, in the tight end position is probably still underused a little bit. But your quarterback has to have time. Uh, the running game was okay for a little bit, but not 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 anything compared to it was last year or last week against Minnesota. I mean, Purdue had some uh, you know King Daru uh, broke off a couple runs. Uh, that that got six, seven, eight yards, 
but we're doing a better, you know, better down and distance uh, situations. But uh, it was, uh, you know, this to me this this came back to the uh, the ineffective play of the offense, and uh, you know, again, Penn State Penn State was a factor in that, a big factor in it, but it just, you know, to me it just magnifies how how crucial the play of the offensive line is going to be for the rest of this season and then from a recruiting standpoint and a transfer standpoint what what is done from now until signing day from now until spring ball to upgrade the offensive line either you're doing it from a recruiting standpoint and you're getting high school kids in here and developing them and putting them through the system or you're going to go play you're going to go to the grad transfer market and do whatever you can and you know right now Purdue needs to probably go heavy in the grad transfer market if it can and publicize the fact that it's open they have positions they need help Uh, players transfer for one reason to get playing time and if you can find two maybe three guys from an offensive line standpoint that can help you and you're probably looking at guys from uh, lower division one lower FBS maybe F- maybe FCS type of players you know when David Steinmans came here he came from Rhode Island which was a solid FCS program but he wanted to put himself in position to get noticed in the NFL and he felt by going to a FBS program like Purdue in the Big Ten that that would give scouts and evaluators a better look at him against uh, some of the some of the better competition that 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 is being placed, you know, in in the Big Ten. And you know, David didn't get drafted. Uh, I believe he signed a free agent deal with the Dolphins. And I, to be honest, I'm not I'm not sure if he's still in football or not, but. You're going to have to find players like that that want to measure themselves uh, against a good schedule, and Purdue plays a good schedule, that has openings on the offensive line, that will have openings on the offensive line, and just try to find two or three players that will come in, fill a need, and you know see where that takes you. And then you probably have to do it again the next year, and then the next year after that. Meanwhile, while you're still trying to recruit offensive linemen, and uh, get them ready to go uh, so you can develop some sort of uh, pipeline where you don't have as many question marks uh, on the offensive line. So really not much more to say about uh, today's game. Uh, you know, Purdue was a 35-7 to uh, loser to uh, Penn State. And I think Penn State has Iowa next week. Iowa only scored three points. Uh, against Michigan today, uh, so that will be interesting to see how that plays out. And you know, Iowa's more equipped from an offensive line standpoint to handle uh, or deal with Penn State's defensive front. Uh, so that that obviously be something to watch in the Big Ten. You know, meanwhile Purdue has uh, they got Maryland at home. Maryland came out uh, on fire, uh, scoring a lot of points. Beat Syracuse as a ranked team. Uh, in their second game, but lost to Temple, lost to Penn State, uh, beat Rutgers on Saturday. So they're going to come in with a winning record. Uh, new coach Mike uh, Loxley 
seems to have uh, the offense up and running, uh, and that'll be a challenge for Purdue's defense. Uh, big challenge for Purdue's defense because you know a lot of teams are running the RPOs, the run pass options, and Purdue seems to uh, Purdue seems to have some problems in that area. And you know Minnesota did it with RPO and hit Purdue with the pass, and then uh, Penn State did some of it today. Uh, although it was not as uh, bad with the pass from a defensive standpoint uh, today as it was against Minnesota, it still caused uh, Purdue some problems. And, you know, defensively there were a couple changes. Jalen Graham uh, played the nickel position mostly. Uh, Simeon Smiley uh, was uh, played safety along with Brennan Thieneman and Navon Mosley. Those those three rotated there. Uh, I think they were just trying to shake, th- shake things up and uh, uh, you know, just try to try to give give a different look and try to slow down the passing game. Now the one touchdown that Penn State scored on a pass, the 72-yarder, to me was a little bit like uh, what happened last week against Minnesota. It was kind of a slant play. It was a deeper slant, not a not a short slant but a deeper slant where there was a lot of cushion and the linebacker didn't get back deep enough and he hit the right seam and he, he had a lot of open uh, uh, had a lot of open territory and he just outran he just outran the defense uh, all the way to the end zone and that was a little bit too familiar from what we saw uh, a week ago uh, against against Minnesota. But otherwise, uh, you know, Penn State, you know, had a couple short fields to work with because of punt returns. Uh, and again, you know, the defense, you know, did better from the second and third quarter, uh, but the offense just could not could not get anything going. All right, I've about run out of things for, to say on this uh, on this uh, podcast. It's very difficult with just me. Plus, I'm curious what's happening in the Michigan State Ohio State game, so I'd like I'd like to get back to that if I, if, if if you will permit me. Uh, but anyway, join us next week. Hopefully, uh, we'll get someone from Maryland to talk about the Terrapins and what they what they'll bring to Ross Eight Stadium uh, next week. And obviously, we'll get an injury update, hopefully from Jeff Brom on Monday about uh, where things you know stand and you know the the key injury. One of the key injuries to watch out of this is uh, Anthony Watts, and you, you know if you take him out of the middle of that defense, you're, you're you, you got somebody with less experience, and it's gonna you know I think that's a, that's an injury that's 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 that could easily you know impact what happens defensively uh, for Purdue and uh, all the other injuries that have happened. It's been it's just been one of those years. Uh, it's hard to explain, uh, and you try not, you know, Jeff Brown won't use it as an excuse, uh, but it is, it's just bizarre that these things uh, keep happening, uh, happening at the level that, that it's happening. You know, I don't think there's anything as of right now that would be behind that. You just, you've gotten a lot of, you've got a lot of key players that are hurt, and you got to have the depth to, to overcome that and produce programs not there yet probably will never get to that point where it has uh, you know depth at every position that you 
that if somebody goes down, you're replacing them with someone equal. Uh, I think it would be hard for Purdue. Uh, Purdue's really never been in that position in its program history. And, uh, you know, I, I doubt if it's going to happen here anytime soon. All right, Purdue ends up uh, on the short end. Uh, probably be my last time covering a football game at State College since uh, Purdue won't return to face Penn State uh, in Happy Valley until 2025. That's a long way off, and a lot can happen <laughs> between now, now and then. And uh, the next time Purdue will see Penn State will be uh, 2022 when the Nittany Lions visit ross Stadium uh, to open up uh, that season. So, you know, hopefully by then Purdue's in a much better position to, to deal with uh, the talent that Penn State has. Uh, but now the focus is just turning to Maryland and trying to get a win on homecoming. Thanks for listening. Uh, of course, subscribe to our, our podcast and all the, the necessary uh, ways out there. And again, if you have questions, comments, uh, feel free to, to hit me up uh, on Twitter at uh, Carmen underscore JC or email at mcarmen uh, at gannett.com uh, or just reach out any way you can and we'll, we'll take care of your question or questions and, uh, and, and comments that way. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, and we'll talk to you next week.